0: May earth give us fruits so that we can juice our bodies and flow within the suffering so that we never forget the miracles. May we be deeply embarrassed so that we recognize comfort, smile, and bathe in insecurity so we fully embody self-love. May we starve and deprive so that we can consciously bond with our meals and be stripped of all we sense. So we can dress up in abundance. May we scream deeply into the darkness to bring lighthouses to the oceans and cry in unity with the storms so that we can respect the flood's intentions. And throughout it all, forever, may we lock hands and eyes so that we never forget the beauty that is right in front of us. I am Heath Armstrong. And this has never stopped peaking.
1: It's depressing like a dimple on your butt If you behave, you'll get a nickel You can spend on stuff, and in time You'll get a dime if you impress your boss So you can buy some more stuff Just to numb your thoughts You've been a space-driven higgity-hunk of me since birth Flying through the universe on a rock Called Earth, composed of stardust With an emotional gut Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt You're not one fucks, two fucks Red fucks, blue fucks You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck Or you can rent a big truck and Drive your vision, build a palace to the moon while your schmuck friends piss their pants. Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty. Take a chance for your freedom. Miggity milk that booby. Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking. Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking. Skidam a rinkity-dinkity-dink. A skid You're
0: listening to Never Stop Peeking, I am Heath Armstrong. What it do? What's up? This uh, episode's got me on like a super-channeled spiritual high because it's about plant medicine. So stay tuned shortly for that. Uh, But I want to go deep. I want to go deep on some thoughts. i kind of channel something out here to you about what are we doing here, you know? Wanting to be loved, wanting to discover self-love, because a lot of the topics in this conversation about plant medicine and iboga— ayahuasca it all comes back down to self-love if you were yourself wrapped in a collection of white feathers like the angel that you are you probably don't know that those feathers are there but they're there and they look sexy they look good on you for show Uh, and you were laying completely encapsulated in the bed of the gods which you are where divine minds sleep to restore the energetic shield of collective conscious celebrations in defying the unconscious collective's inevitable path of explosive reset. To basically remind our amnesiac human minds that the earth, it's not under ownership. The ocean is not for sale. The mountains are free for sharing the best views. The farms exist for harvesting new life, not money. The great mother provides, but how do we receive? How do you receive? How do I receive? She gives limitlessly, yet we fight over ownership of finite pride. She loves unconditionally, yet we close our hearts and suck on greed's lingam. Because we stamp patriarchal prices onto all that we have been gifted, we are inevitably bartering our existence for the ultimate cost, a cataclysmic disarray that screams mercy at the foot of the almighty universe. In selfishness, you sacrifice the self. In selflessness, there is no sacrifice because when you detach from ego that thrives off ownership, all that is left is unconditional love for your immortal self, removed from the illusions of physical sensations and suffering, harmonizing with the never-ending fruits of all creation and that. My friends, that is the kind of love that seeds purpose. Eternal appreciation, a planet of salvation, exactly as the mother intended it to be. So what happens internally when you allow the energies of the world to flow deeply with charge? Feel your belly through the purest of passages. It may seem clear sometimes. Maybe it seems colored. It may seem relaxing. Other times it might seem uncomfortable. But what it seems is just an illusion of sense. It's a kiss from the physical plane. It's the space where your awareness seems to favor something. If you close your passage to sense, what becomes? The highest of dreams? The astral experience? Unity with the truth? By removing the reliability of sense, you no longer show weakness to the demands of desire. Let it all go and it will be done. Silence is the language of the spirit. Fasting is the food of the spirit. The spirit sleeps in its own awakening. The spirit observes what never existed. While senses pour into desire's finest goblet, God pours into God. And you, my friend, are holding the cup. Nothing else is relevant. I'm so excited to share this interview today because Levi Barker, uh, who is one with running a wellness retreat in uh, Costa Rica called Iboga Wellness Center, uh, we had an amazing conversation. And it talks a lot about energy. It talks a lot about self-love. But Levi is a remarkable Iboga provider. And after being addicted to opiates through a large chunk of his 20s and 30s, he discovered this life-altering, transformational, and healing power of this plant medicine, Iboga. A plant medicine that is native to, um, I think it's Gabon, uh, Gabon, Gabon. And Cameroon areas in West Africa, Central Africa, and in this interview we explore kind of the sacred and ceremonial use of iboga for, for personal transformation and healing as well as its role as an unmatchable tool in opiate recovery and ongoing integration. We also cover a little bit about history, science, and common uses of the iboga root and one of the alkaloids in iboga, which is ibogaine, which a lot of you might have heard more commonly, Um but one of the quotes that Levi said in the interview was, "If we can get these things, if we can get things moving on an energetic level, it helps us manifest what we want in our life on a physical level." And I think that's the goal with these plant medicines: is to move stuff around, to release these blockages that we're holding onto, and fill the space with stuff that conducts our higher energy and doesn't suppress it. And all of the introduction that I was talking to you about. Is about the greater collective consciousness and state of the world. You know, if we can shift the energy in the way that we focus on sense and the way that we focus on self love internally, that floods out into the world into a bigger picture. It helps on a much grander scheme than we could ever contemplate in our own minds, consciously, but maybe not subconsciously. So, Ibogo is an intelligent medicine, it does not stop teaching. And as if you were entering into a portal to a waking dream state, it is common for experiences with Iboga or Ibogaine to dive deep internally, externally, highlighting the importance of self-love at a very core level. Um, So I'm going to dive right into this interview with Levi. All of you share this with people that you think may need to hear it. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm getting this thing transcribed so you'll be able to read it and share the The textual information, if you go to heatharmstrand.com forward slash podcast, you can get to episode 24. Check out contact information to get a hold of Levi. Uh, The website is ibogawellness.com. It's an incredible thing. Um, I cannot stress how life-changing experiences with these types of intelligent medicine can be. And it's extremely important to be in the care, set, and setting of people who really know what they're doing. And Levi and his crew are some of those magical people. So let's dive right in. Um, I am at Heath Fist Pumps on Instagram. All the show notes again, HeathArmstrong.com forward slash podcast. This is on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all the good places. Share the links with your family, friends. Uh, leave a review if you want to help donate money to the Help Foundation in Uganda. I'm heading out there here in a in a couple weeks. Uh, every review, I donate a little bit of money to them. And then, yeah, um, just share, share the love, share the love, and and let's dive right in. Here we go.
1: Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity-stickity-ringity-dickity beat.
0: excited to have you on. This podcast is mainly about transformation of the self and moving forward uh, to strengthen the transformation of the collective consciousness in a way. And I've been kind of really giddy to talk to you for a while because I'm very much a rookie when it comes to Iboga. And I'm fascinated beyond explanation about plant medicine and sacred ceremonial healing journeys, um, especially combating things like opiate addiction, or some of these big mental or childhood trauma blockages that we can get inside of us and the way that these different plant medicines interact and create space for new growth and, and kind of the discovery of miracles and purpose that we already have within us. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank thank you. And thank you for uh, the work you're doing and spreading healing and allowing people to you know, know, there's tools out there for themselves.
0: I I try to do a little bit, a little bit that I can, but I honestly think from a, like a bird's eye perspective that I'm probably, there's something much bigger, you know, laying out there that I'm moving slowly into. And, and I just am, am very thankful to get to converse with people like you and, and learn about journeys and transformation from that angle. So I appreciate it. Um, I've spent, I guess, first I've spent some time with Mother Ayahuasca, never with Iboga. From my understanding, and and this is just me reading, hearing things, and I would love for you to kind of explain it more in depth if you can. Iboga is is a it's a full root, right? And it's full of alkaloids, but it's different from just ibogaine, which is actually just one of the alkaloids in the root. Is that correct?
2: Correct. Yep.
0: Okay, and that's and that's native to uh, Central Africa. Like the pygmies?
2: Yep. West central Africa.
0: Is that, uh, what, what countries are over there? Um, Gabon. Does that sound right? Cameroon? Yep.
2: That's it. Yeah. Gabon, Cameroon, the Congo. And, um, trying to think there's maybe one other little country where it grows natively.
0: And so you're working with uh, a wellness and I'm guessing that you were probably doing work with the whole root system. Um, what's the difference? Cause I I feel like all the stuff that I run into is usually just using just Ibogaine and I, and I want to like, I know I've read what the difference between those two is besides one being the active or the alkaloid in the root, but are there other things that are beneficial and using the whole root system?
2: Sure. So yeah, there's what 12, 13 active alkaloids in, in Iboga. <clears throat> Typically, ibogaine, you know, accounts for about 60% of those alkaloids, but there's definitely other alkaloids doing things, you know, from, say, a scientific point of view with uh, addiction, like ibogamine, ibogaline, um, I, I can't remember all their names, we don't get so much <laughs> in, into the science, but what what I do know is in, in nature, you know, living things have a spirit, and Within the within those spirits or within nature, there's there's you know keys and direction to you know living life here. You know being a human here on this earth. So we work with the the full plant as nature produces it to uh, yeah to to get what we want out of life. So you know I, the you can definitely have a full on spiritual experience. I believe with ibogaine is as, as well, but from what I've heard, I've never had Ibogaine, but from what I've heard, you know, Iboga is a, a fuller kind of experience.
0: Yeah. Kind of, I mean, including the, the whole plant obviously brings a whole new spiritual realm to it. Um, there's a reason that it's all together, I would say. So I totally get that. Uh, there's a, I feel like Ibogaine is used as, can, is it used as a stimulant at low doses? Yeah. You know anything about that? Yeah. It's just completely different from the ceremonial use of it though, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it can be a stimulant. And even, you know, say even in in Gabon, you know, uh, hunters will will use Iboga in small doses for stamina just to uh, heighten their senses, make them more aware. And so it's almost like they're, you know, microdosing Iboga just to yeah connect more with uh, With nature you know be able to spot anything you know because they're they're way out there and it's not gabon isn't known as a you know that they haven't moved to agriculture so it's really still a Mm. big hunter gatherer society for people that live outside the city so yeah for hunting it's a it's a big tool and um yeah it does it does give you stamina like so for us during ceremony nights here at Iboga Wellness we take a small amount um and that you know gives us stamina to, to to work all the way through the night. You know, get a couple hours rest and then work through the the next day as well to just take care of people because it's a very long experience.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, it's a longer experience than say, it's. A, it, I think it's. Isn't it one of the longest kind of psychedelic experiences that there is? If not the, is not it last?
2: I believe so. I believe it, it. It it is the longest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Enduring and yeah. So the pygmies were the really, I guess they were shorter people. Um, and I'm not sure, is there any history? I mean, obviously there's the the myth of, I guess the pygmies using it. And then before that, I've heard a story about, you know, a porcupine eating the branch and then being consumed. And then the woman yeah. who consumed it having visions with ancestors and deities or whatever it may be. Um, And then them being able to discover it that way. I'm sure there's probably multiple different stories like that out there. Do you know of any more deep history with this um, at all, just before we start diving into the the benefits of the systems?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the pygmies did discover Iboga and they kept it secret for quite a long time, according to our teacher. So our (laughs) teacher is, uh, his name is Mugenda Mikala and he's a 10th generation weedy shaman and he's in Gabon now doing initiations for people. And, but yeah, you're, what you were mentioning about the porcupine, a hunter went out to, to go hunting for his family. And, uh, he, he took back a porcupine for his wife and she had the porcupine and yet started getting, you know, like you're saying, visions and insights and, into things happening in the village and, and their life. And so they went back out where they caught the porcupine and noticed there was a shrub there with the roots dug up where the porcupine had, had ate at the roots. And so they put two and two together, brought the roots back. And when they brought them back, there was, there was a discussion within the tribe between who's going to eat it. And so the hunter guy didn't want to eat it, and neither, neither did the chief of the village. And so the brave one to step up to be the second one was the chief's wife. And she had it, and uh, a very similar thing happened. And so that was, you know, the start of, of working with this medicine. And, you know, what the pygmies realized through working with the medicine is they get, gained a lot of insight at, as to what it means to be human, what it, what it means to be connected with nature. And so since the beginning, you know they've they've used Iboga as a tool to study life, and at some point they they shared um Iboga with some of the the neighboring tribes and uh when they when they did that then you know the 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 original weedy does come from the pygmies, but then once it was shared with some of the neighboring people they kind of they kind of took it and and developed it you know into into their own thing. And so with our bweedi, it's called Misoko bweedi, and it has pri- it primarily has to do with healing and using Iboga as a tool to study life. So this is, you know, most likely there's no written history of this, but um, this is many thousands of years, most likely that people have been using Iboga as a tool to, to navigate life because even, back to the beginning of time people still had to you know manage their own thoughts they they had to learn how to treat themselves and and others and so uh yeah the it's been it's been happening for a long time and the unique thing with evoga guys, even you know even way back with the pygmies you know we're still human even if we come from the west today and the medicine just teaches us uh, gives us wisdom on on how to approach life, how to navigate it. And so it's uh, it's been going on for a, for a long time. So when people come to Iboga Wellness, we share that wisdom that's been ta- passed down from generation to generation. And in the Bwiti, we don't expect anybody to just take somebody's word for something. We know we need to learn through experience. <laughs> yeah. So when people have their, their Iboga experience, they're able to Verify the things that that we share with them and, and have their own connection with that
0: it's kind of amazing the We like to think I mean as a, as a whole of in the western world in particular, I guess That we're the only ones that have ever dealt with like these thoughts or this personal trauma or or being human But if you do go back and read, you know Is the, the most ancient text that you can find it's the same type of philosophy yeah. philosophy and principle of what people are dealing with. And I like to read a lot of Seneca and, and that's not even that long ago, but Seneca, the way that he describes things around him, it's like you would you would think you just walked out front and we're walking down the street. It, it's so similar. Um, and so these types of medicines that were kind of removed, but I guess they were never really removed from certain areas of the world, but have disappeared or just now being introduced in places that people really need them the most. Um, it's a very powerful and fascinating thing. It's a very magical and miraculous thing. And, and it's something that's extremely sacred. And as you were saying, it's it's not something that can be even explaining and talking about it in this podcast until someone actually has these experiences themselves. They can't fully be in um, and one with it. And I was always fascinated ab- about different other types of plant medicines, but until I actually experienced them, I couldn't really understand what that meant, you know, sure. and Iboga is kind of like a waking dreams type uh, type of experience, right? Where you're doing a lot of inward searching. Um, Ayahuasca, I feel like is more of like an explosion into the universe and the realms and cosmos. But I want to talk kind of in depth about the work that it can do with you. But first, I want to Uh, step back and kind of explore your personal transformation just to get a backstory of how you arrived in this miraculous and caring position, which is sort of allowing you to share this gift in medicine with the world on the scale that you're doing. And um, just, just to hear how you're connected to it and how you found this in your journey.
2: Yeah. Thank you. So I found Iboga from a long-term opiate addiction from my early 20s to early 30s. Um, I had a lot of ups and downs, did every opiate you can imagine for heroin, suboxone, methadone, Percocet. And, you know, I could get away from a little bit, but could never fully get away. And so I have a really good friend who is really into plant medicine and knows more about different plants and herbs and their healing properties. And he grows a lot of them. And so I, I asked him, you know, is there, is there something that can help with this, you know, with, with my problem of going back to opiates? And he said, yeah, iboga. And, you know, from the first time I heard that word, I I knew there was something there for me. You know, I, uh, you know one thing that we're really uh, pay a lot of attention to in the Bwiti tradition is is our curiosity, whenever we're curious about something. And... I didn't know that at the time, but I did have curiosity about it and looked into it a bit, and and he told me, yeah, and I I have some, and I'll send it to you. I'm like, wow, this is working out really well. Great. So he sent it to me, and at that time, I was living in uh, Nicaragua, and so um, I did a home detox myself. I definitely, for those listening, I don't recommend that, but I was at a point where, you know, I was willing to do whatever, it, whatever it took to to heal myself and make things better, and so I uh, he he told me to take the whole bag of this Iboga, and it was like fifty grams, which is quite a huge dose, and um, I got through about half of it, and that was that was pretty much it. But that was that was enough to to you know what amazed me is within you know, an hour's time, the physical symptoms of opiate withdrawal went away. And, and so,
0: yeah. What's, what's just a normal, just while you had mentioned that, what's a normal dose in a ceremony setting as far as, is it different, is it differentiate based on person? Um, or is there kind of a standard range?
2: Yeah, it it depends a lot on, on each person. And a lot of that times, you know, a person, person's (laughs) energy, just who they are, you know, filling them out is definitely one of uh, the jobs of being an iboga provider.
0: Because okay, Very similar know, to ayahuasca then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to overdose anybody and it's not, you know, they're in, in, in healthy shape. I mean, one thing I should mention with saying that with healthy shape, um, I, with 99% of the physical problems or people having problems with iboga that you hear about, you know, 99% of those are, are people detoxing from different drugs, mm-hmm. um, for psycho-spiritual reasons. Um, if your heart's okay, it's very, very safe medicine. So with that, with, you know, um, yeah, so e- each person has a different sensitivity to the medicine. So whenever people come here with the first, for the first, uh, ceremony they have with us, we, always start everybody off with a dose that they can, they can manage. And like I said, you, you can't give them too much, but what can happen is you can give somebody a lot of medicine and they're up for, you know, three nights in a row and can't sleep and have a really grueling journey, which is very healing. But, you know, we want them to get the full experience here of having, you know, two ceremonies and some integration time in between. And uh, yeah, so everybody, you know, some people need a whole lot and it doesn't really have anything to do with your size or where you come from, or if you're male or female, it's, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's definitely an art of of learning to get enough medicine in somebody for them to go deep, do the work that they need, but then also come out of it and, you know, start integrating the, the teachings.
0: Well, thank you so much for answering that in such depth. I appreciate it. So you took, you took like 25 grams, which was half of the 50 grams he had sent you. And then you had started um, talking more into that story and I interrupted you. So I'd love to hear the rest.
2: Oh, no problem. Um, yeah. So it got, you know, the opiate withdrawals went, went down. Um, I, uh, then, you know, essentially was late, late laying in bed for about three nights and, uh, you know, got up to go to the bathroom a couple of times, but I was, I was laid out for, for a long time. And so, uh, yeah, you know, when you go through a detox process, it's quite a bit, it's a different experience because the medicine is almost kind of going to war with the opiates. So it's not, you know, there there was definitely psychedelic or spiritual type things that happened, but it's, it's really a, a physical thing. And so on the fourth night, I finally got a bit of sleep, um, by the fifth day, I was feeling feeling a whole lot better and was able to come out of it and just realize that my body wasn't addicted to opiates anymore and so that was that was big That's
0: remarkable
2: yeah yeah no it's, it, it is amazing and but you know what 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 I did realize is you know all of a sudden I was cleaned out physically, but all of these emotions and just different feelings that I had been shoving down inside with opiates were very much coming up to the surface. So there was still a lot of work to do. And so about a year and a half later, um, after that experience, I actually met our teacher Mogenda. He used to have a uh, Iboga retreat spot called Iboga House here in Costa Rica. And I I met him and uh, I was doing internet marketing stuff at the time. So I started doing that for him. And I heard that he was training people to work with the medicine. So once I, I heard that, um, you know, I hit him up to see if I could do that. And I was surprised that he told me yes. And so that was the start of uh, about five years of, of going back and forth and, and working with him and learning, learning how to work with the medicine and manage people's experience. And, and yeah, it's, it's an in-depth process. Um, he's pretty, you know, he's serious about this work. And so, um, you know, for most people, it takes several, several years of working with the medicine consistently in order to, to kind of get his blessing to, to serve it.
0: That's beautiful. I, I you touched on a couple things that are really important. One being the integration piece, cause I've personally had, I don't know what it was about. I mean, I guess it's probably just sort of a all over the place type thing. But there are several people that were close in my life growing up and even, you know, some members in my family and, and very close people that were close to be like brothers that were just, you know, consumed by heroin or opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. Some that have since been able to you know recover and rebirth into a sober, beautiful life and others that haven't so much. And one in particular, Um, he, it's been over 20 years, I think that he's been, you know, addicted to heroin and he did go through some Iboga transformation. And it was, it was remarkable how immediately his color was back. Like this person that he was almost like this body walking around without a soul, all of a sudden the soul was back in and it was like him again. And it was incredible to me. Like, I, I just couldn't, believe that that had happened. Right. And he also followed that up with a series of ayahuasca ceremonies, but after the, you know, the week or two that he was down there experiencing that he had to come back. Um, and there was no, where he had spent the time, there was no integration process after that. And to the day, to this day, he, you know, he relapsed and hasn't been heard from, um, Oh, but man. that, that window of opportunity is like when he, when he returned, you know, and was just like, it was, it was like he was back and it was the most remarkable thing, but it's just as important to have that phase as it is to bring in this integration and to help people long-term. And Joey, my friend at the space down in Mexico, he'll tell you like, he hasn't left there because no matter how much he's done, he knows that he still needs that integration. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think this is really important to what you've set up. Um, and I know you had mentioned that you, uh, I guess maybe you used to work with detoxing, but there's another stage to that. So would you mind covering kind of what you all do at, at Iboga Wellness, the from opioid recovery to integration? What, what does the program kind of look like from a ceremonial or experience point of view? And then maybe afterwards talk a little bit about what it looks like from sort of a recovery and integration point of view, because I think people that haven't experienced this, maybe there's someone listening who, who has, you know, wants to move forward, becoming in touch with the higher version of themselves. Um, It's, it's hard to find kind of exactly what, what goes on when you come to these ceremonies, what do you experience? What's the support like? Um, And then what happens afterwards?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, So yeah, the, the, we used to do detox work but when when things like fentanyl started coming out you know people coming off Suboxone, um it just got uh you know we're a shamanic healing center so we're not like a medical cl- clinic it just got to be a, a little too much like we needed um we we just would have had to hire like a nursing staff and more doctors and yeah, just, uh, so we recommend a lot of people go to Ibogaine, an Ibogaine clinic, and then, you know, if possible, come here afterwards and kind of work out the, you know, the, the emotional part of themselves, whatever needs to be, be worked on there. And so um, we do get a lot of those people, we do get a lot and, and for them and for everybody in general, just integration is such a huge part of it. It's, it's really big. So maybe... Yeah, I'll go through kind of what the experience is like here briefly um, and then talk a bit about integration. So, people come here for seven nights, eight days. Um, they experience the medicine twice. And so, we're kind of a happy medium of, you know, weedy, uh, you know, weedy kind of shamanic setting, but then also, you know, the comforts that, that we're used to in the West, like, you know, bathrooms and, and beds and, you know, so you know, going to Africa is a very different, different experience as far as that goes. So you know, I feel for most Westerners that's the way to start because it allows you, you know, to be comfortable and be able to explore inward more. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of preparation, a lot of uh, one-on-one talks with people throughout the week, sharing the wisdom of the Bwiti with them. Um, everybody has to get an EKG, and then we. We have, we start ceremony at, at, uh, excuse me real quick. Sorry about that. that no,
0: you're okay. Wife, what's, what's quick. an EKG real quick, just so.
2: Oh, electrocardiogram, like a heart stress test. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. So the, yeah. There's one thing that, you know, a couple of things that mostly happen with people, you know, detoxing from drugs, but the, the heart can slow down. Quite a bit, or it can go up. Um, you know, through the last five years, we've only had to turn away um, two people due to their EKG being a little a little funky. And so, yeah, if people have never had heart problems or anything like that. Like they they are fine. And so, yeah, we do that, prepare them a lot, and then we get started with the uh, with ceremony where we share, you know, for for a time about the bweedi tradition, which is really just simple universal truths that are present in a lot of different traditions. Um, but the way that Buidi put it together to really encompass most or all parts of our lives is very, very valuable. And like I said, the medicine teaches the same, the same lessons, the same things. And so then we start serving the medicine and the so- same
0: lessons as in like multiple people had similar interactions with what they're learning separate from each other.
2: Yeah. Yep. 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 Like, yep. They, they, people learn the same things. In fact,
0: it's very cool, huh? Like all over the world, people can have these experiences and be connected to the same sort of teachers or spirits or yeah, same type of deal with ayahuasca.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, with that, there's actually an interesting thing the we do. If they're, if they're trying to figure something out that they're not a hundred percent sure about, because in the Bwini, the biggest thing is the truth, knowing the, knowing the truth of things. And, um, you know, so if there's something they're not sure about, what they'll do is they'll take three different people on three different nights that haven't spoken to each other and, and, you know, haven't interacted. They'll give each of them Iboga, load them up on Iboga and send them out to get a question answered. And if all three of them come back with the same answer, they'll take that as the truth.
0: that's so amazing (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) and so yeah we we share that wisdom and then people are able to experience that wisdom so you know we start serving the first medicine which uh typically the first dose everybody gets is just ground up root root bark powder off of a spoon so it's almost like a wood powder we'll serve that and then um we also make uh we do an organic extraction process to make total alkaloid extract and so that includes all the alkaloids of the boga plant but just in a, a concentrated form mm. um, it can it can get tough to start getting a lot of root bark in your stomach and yeah. it, you know it and so this is a uh, just a little bit easier on the stomach for people to get down and yeah we we give people time to let the medicine settle in and You know, on the first ceremony, there could be several hours where we're we're dosing, you know, every hour and a half or so until we get them to to a good spot where they can get what they need. And then at some point during either the first or second ceremony, we do a Bwiti technique where we do a guided journey with people. And so that's essentially a process where we guide them during their rebog experience to go in, meet their soul or meet their higher self and ask questions to their own soul because like you mentioned earlier, the truth of things and, and, and all the answers are already in us. You know, we go through life and we have different experiences, different things happen to us where the truth of things or the you know, the truth of ourselves can kind of get layered below, you know, those experiences or emotions. So this is a way to get, you know, right to your own soul and get those questions answered.
0: And it's- so, it's kind of remarkable how things can shift in your physical and like spiritual realm by shift, like by moving those blockages around or freeing them up, even away from plant medicine. I did a, I did a two-hour breathwork ceremony in Nicaragua one time. Oh, yeah. My whole life I had extreme acid reflux disease. I couldn't eat anything spicy. Um, I couldn't drink anything carbonated, and in that breathwork ceremony. I had I got into a very psychedelic like state, but I I released something, some sort of entity, something that was in seat inside of me. I interacted with it, I talked to it, I released it. When I came out of it, all of those medical issues that I had were gone. I was immediately craving spicy food. And now I'm like I was just in (laughs) Bulgaria a couple of weeks ago eating, I was at a hot pepper farm, just eating the hottest peppers in the world, you know, and it's and it doesn't even bother me. Like I like it. And I know from the outside, people are like, that, that can't happen. It's impossible. But I know that in that ceremony with that breathing, you know, I released some blockages and I've had other ones that have happened through ayahuasca. And and I know that through such a magical um, journey with the you have, I'm sure you see things like this all the time through the ceremony spaces, just transformation, sure. transformation, you know?
2: Sure. Sure. That's amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah, you know, and you know, there's all kinds of different paths to get to where we need in life, and you know, so, you know, whether it's breathing, ayahuasca, meditation, you know, they're they're all to get us to the same, the same place, you know. And so iboga is just one of one of those tools. And yes, yeah, so when you oh, go ahead,
0: I was just gonna ask when you're in the the original, you you were talking about going from like ceremony one to ceremony two. In in the first ceremony. Do you ever have, because I know, and again, I haven't experienced Iboga, but my the first time I did ayahuasca, you know, I consumed probably more than anyone else there, yet ayahuasca wasn't ready for me, right? So I didn't even have any, I had no reaction to it the first time. And it was very, it was, it was a hit to the ego as in like, why, am I not good enough to like work with this or like, am I just too am I too built into my spirit that I don't need it? Like it was just these ridiculous thoughts going through my head. And then as I talked to the doctor and shaman, they're like, sometimes it needs to work on your body before it wants to open up and and Mm. all this stuff. And of course the next ceremony that I went into the very first little amount that I drank, I was the first person down and in that realm. Yeah. It was amazing how different it can be. And it's like such an intelligent force behind the medicine and I imagine it's the same with Iboga. Do you ever see, I guess you probably see a wide variety of things that happen with people. And and it is truly an art of the spirit to be able to work with each person individually to get them to that place or maybe understand. I was just wondering consciously, like, is, is Iboga one, is it a medicine that you're aware that you're in the space when you're on it? Um, like you can come back and kind of you're kind of aware that what's going on or are you just completely out there and not aware in that first ceremonious space or maybe even the second one?
2: Yeah, no, you, you're very, very aware. And sometimes that catches people by surprise. Like, you know, you were mentioning, you know, ayahuasca can be very cosmic and, you know, otherworldly and iboga can be as well. But most of the time, you're very present on what's going on. You know, you know where you're at. You know what's happening around you in, you know, 99% of cases. And, um, yeah, so that, yeah, it's really, you know, it's really a deep journey into your own consciousness. But if we come over and talk to people, you know, they can, they can typically hold, you know, a short conversation and answer questions and things like that. So, yeah, they're there uh you know physically you get really you can get off balance you know if you move around a lot depending on where you're at you you can bring on some nausea and stuff so people typically just want to want to lay there we encourage people to have their their eyes closed you know you can go deeper in and that's typically where visions may happen um yeah you're yeah people are very aware
0: Yeah, that's one thing that took me by surprise with ayahuasca, too, is that I could, when opening my eyes, I could be directly back in my, you know, aware self and interact and talk and even go use the restroom or whatever. Not something that I expected at all before I actually experienced it. I think it's hard for people to look at that because a lot of us, maybe we grow up and we eat, you know, a quarter of mushrooms or something and we go into this other world that we can't control ourselves at all. And then we think that, all these other psychedelics are similar to that, but the intelligence in these medicines is fascinating. And is there a pur- is there a purging process with Iboga?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, people definitely purge in different ways. Um, you know, I'd say about 60% of people will have an oral purge. Um, a big one that, that people get with Iboga is they they'll pee a lot or some of them will sweat um, it's, it's quite a bit rare that people have to go number two on iboga. Usually it kind of actually stops you up a, a little bit. So a lot of times the next day after iboga, a lot of people won't, won't do number two, but, um, yeah, so there's that sort of purging. Some people will kind of, kind of tremble and shake, especially if they're dealing with some sort of deep trauma, but it's not, you know, it's not like a, a full, you know, spasm, but just, they're just kind of twitchy and things like that. And so, yeah, people, people purge in in different ways.
0: Yeah. Shivering. And I I just wanted to give people an overview of that because I feel like there's a a misperception out there of how, you know, iboga or ayahuasca can be these like terrifying things that you can't, you get lost in and can't control. And it's not that case at all.
1: Um, yeah,
0: it's, it's a very, warm and and healthy space to be in, especially in the right set and setting, which is what you guys seem to be providing.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, we get a lot of first timers here. A lot of people that, have, you know, we get plenty of of older people that have never, you know, even smoked weed or done anything in their lives. But I would say, you know, a good 20, maybe 25% of people, this is their first, you know, say psychedelic or plant medicine experience.
0: Amazing, cool. So, so you went through. I guess you were sort of talking about the transition from this first ceremony to the second, and there's a little bit of um, integration yeah. involved with that second one.
2: Yes. Yeah, so we call, you know, at, we go all through the night. When the sun rises the next morning, we get people um, up if they if they want to get up and and take them to their bed. So we're in the on the ceremony area, and each person has their own mattress. We'll get them back to their room and we call that discovery day the next day. Um, you know, sometimes during the ceremony things, you know, people will have mental detoxes or different things will be, be you know, being moved around and released. And so sometimes it can be hard to put together what, what happened there. But as the medicine slows down and people, people get some alone, quiet time, uh, that's a lot of times when the, a lot of the gifts of the medicine come. So we just encourage people just to be with themselves during that day. Typically, they won't sleep until maybe, you know, later that afternoon or for most people, not until the following evening. And so, yeah, that day we know the medicine is going to teach them. So if they, they need support or they need anything, we're there for them. Um, but, you know, the medicine is the teacher for all of us here. So we know if they're just with themselves. They're going to get what they need out of the experience. And so... Yeah, they get through that day. That can sometimes seem like uh, the longest day of their lives for a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> the medicine, you know, makes people very present. So when you're very present, you're aware of what's going on and, and time just seems to, to crawl by. And yeah, at some point that next night, they get some sleep. We, we go to have a beach outing, just get in the nature with people. One of the local beaches here. We come back and then we do... A spiritual shower ceremony, which is a, a buhiti cleansing ceremony, which is really powerful in itself. It doesn't involve iboga, but it's um, a way to release things um, that you don't want and bring in things to your life that you do want. And uh, so yeah, it's a way to connect with nature and call those things in and set those things in motion. You know, we, in in the buhiti, we view, view life or this world as being you know kind of happening on two planes like on a spiritual or energetic level and also the physical level and and so if we can get things moving on the energetic level it allows us to manifest the things we want in our life in the physical realm um, easier and so typically after that night everybody gets a good night's sleep and then we kind of do the whole the whole ceremony over again another discovery day and then another nature day and um, you know throughout that time there's one-on-one meetings or a lot of times people are hanging out in those groups and just you know just sharing about what's happening in their life the realizations they're having so that's very healing in itself but like you said integration you know once they kind of leave this safe sacred container is when you know when uh, you know you want to take the things that, that you've learned and actually apply them and so we have quite a few different coaches that are that EBOGA specific that we work with. And, uh, and so we recommend people work with those. We also have our own bi-monthly integration calls. So uh, twice per month people, it's just an open forum for people to come on and share if they like, or even just listen in. And, you know, it's really good for people to hear people that have been, two, three, four years out from having this experience and still, you know, gaining insight, still work, working through life in a positive way. So it, it's helpful for a lot of the guests to, to know that this, this medicine doesn't stop teaching, you know, that's probably one of the biggest differences with Iboga. Is it, you know, after the experience, not only is it a long experience, but it actually stays in your body longer than, than other medicines. So you know it actually you know on a scientific level metabolizes in the liver and that it it uh, you know there's a process that that turns the medicine into noribogaine and noribogaine slowly kind of drips out over several months so as that you know kind of drip and afterglow feeling is happening just allows you to be very aware and conscious of what's happening in your life makes it very hard to hurt yourself if you go back um and do things that, you know, aren't good for you. It's going to just make you very, very aware of those things. So yeah, definitely, you know, and we, you know, while, while people are here, we, we definitely stress like, you know, it's time to make those, those changes and, and really, you know, do the work that's needed. And people do, they can have you know, <laughs> completely different life and, you know, two months or, you know, will look back in a year and, and feel like
0: they've aged for, you know, getting 10 years of wisdom about themselves. It's remarkable. And obviously you've made that transformation yourself. When you view all of these, I don't want to call them patients as much as just like magical rebirthed, you know, human spaceships of stardust or whatever. These, As you view these amazing people that come down and go through your program, do you, Notice how the experience of Iboga changes their perception of, you know, the why of life, you know, were there things that they were worried or stressed out before that no longer carry any importance whatsoever afterwards, even from your own perspective with your journey and kind of on the flip side, what is often something that people, or I guess maybe, is it often something that you see that people, uh, took things for granted before, but now pay very close attention to the beauty of life and just the magic of existence. And, um, it's the gratitude of all these things after going through the ceremony.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of times people come in thinking they have, you know, this is my problem and realize that that's not at all their, their problem. You know, it gets down to, to a lower level and yeah, we just had a girl here. We had a retreat in yesterday and we had a girl here that yeah really had like lifelong depression and just, you know, growing up with her parents, they really instilled some deep belief systems into her about what life is and how she needs to act and, um, you know, to really hold things inside and make it pretty on the outside. And so she had deep realizations on that but also just, you know, realizing her life isn't, isn't so bad. And and she came around to appreciate, you know, the life she does have the simple things like friends and, and family and, you know, connecting with nature. And so, you know, we, it's, it's different for each person, but people, you know, one of the big ones, especially coming from the West is, you know, we're almost prided on being really hard on ourselves and like, you know, sacrificing your emotions to get things done or to be successful and so a lot of a a big one that that a lot of people get is just how you know what do they tell themselves you know what's their internal dialogue like and you know in the booty we look at that as you know whenever what the things we tell ourselves um you know that our our own soul or our higher self is listening to that and you know it can definitely get discouraged from wanting to help us if we're always just hammering ourselves we we look at as our, our soul as a very like almost like a child a very pure uh, child and so you know you want to treat that well and be gentle with it and so yeah man uh, yeah people people have all sorts of, of realizations about you know why why they're you know where they're at in life and why they're there and how they got there and um, but also more importantly get get a lot of insight into you know what needs to change and and yeah just letting go of a lot of stuff so many people follow you know have things that have been following them around for years or their whole lifetime you know whatever that may be things from the past and um, and yeah just you know really caring about themselves enough to say look there's nothing left for me to learn here and I'm just going to let it go. And, uh, the, just having that strength and caring for oneself enough to let things go is, is a big one for a lot of people.
0: Uh (laughs) Aho. do you encourage people to come back again for more ceremonies after they leave? Um, I know you're doing coaching calls and you're doing online, check-ins and things like that is it is that something that's required or necessary with ibogaine or iboga
2: um you know that's different for for each person i would say over the last three years we have been getting more people coming back but i would say you know 90 percent of people go on and and live their life and you know go and and take the gifts they have and move forward Um, there's some there's some people you know, they can certainly benefit from for more of the medicine. And, you know, they come back to the medicine in a di- different place. And so just mm-hmm. like with ayahuasca, you know, the medicine doesn't stop teaching. You know, it'll keep, it'll keep showing you things if you come to it. So it just depends on what, what people want. You know, Iboga's not, excuse me real quick.
0: Yeah,
2: no problem. Uh, Iboga's not, you know, anything like a miracle, you know, it's just, it's a tool for people to use. And so, yeah, some people go back and, and start doing some of the same things and realize they need, you know, they need to check back in. And so, yeah, we get some repeat people, but yeah, it's a very individual thing.
0: Yeah. It's a relationship. It's a tool. Correct about that. I've heard from people that I know that have experienced Iboga, one of the things we were talking about earlier is how people have similar um, experiences with how, you know, things that they encounter when doing it. And I don't know it, it not just on, I, I've heard this on podcasts. I've read this in books and I've heard people that I know that have done it. Tell me that they often feel like they're interacting with almost like a computer screen where they're asking questions. It's like they go in and they can ask I don't want to say Google, but you can ask a question and yeah. then you get the answer and then you do it again. And it's very much like you're in the grasp of a teacher who's answering your questions. And then it becomes sort of a battle of what's the next question you want to ask because you're getting, you start to get a little bit of resistance because you start to get deeper and deeper and you're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to ask that, but I do. Um, have you heard of anyone having that kind of experience? Just the the whole uh, with, with the people that you've worked with, has anyone ever shared that? I'm just curious. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's pretty common with this medicine. You know, the screen can take many different forms. Um, You know, can be like a computer screen where they could see themselves and they're, they're having a conversation with themselves, but yeah, no, it's a very interactive medicine, but like you said, you know, typically people need to cleanse energy and physically, kind of detox from things before they get to that point kind of like your first ayahuasca experience So it's, it's similar with the boga. A lot of times that, that first one is just a deep cleanse of, of energy and physically moving things out of the way so the, that the medicine can go in deeper and really get to the core where where you can answer those questions and get very direct answers back and so when when you're working with the boga typically the answers that you get are very very uh um, very concise they it's not like a long uh you know drawn out answer it'll you know you ask the question like how can i you know how can i release my past and it'll give you uh, give you an an answer that's very applicable something that you can really take with you moving forward so yeah that's that's a, a big one with iboga is getting questions answered about about our lives
0: Do you think that with the way that it works, helps people work through trauma, that it all does kind of funnel back into this idea of self-love? You know, you are love. I am love. I am of love. I am in love. You know, it's just, I feel like everything that I do and work towards, it always ends up in that same spot of just teaching me again, that it's just unconditional love at all times. And sometimes that's like, yeah, you got to feel that trauma. You got to feel that pain. You got to be in this to understand that. And um, but ultimately I feel like there's this universal thing happening. That's teaching us that, you know,
2: that's it, man. That's the big one with, with the self love. Uh, everything else is, is definitely manageable. So that, that is the big one. And you know, everybody, everybody's worthy of that. And in, in the Bwiti, we know that our life, coming into this world and being able to have this human experience is the greatest gift that we can ever be, be received. Mm -hmm. And so us coming into this, into this world, you know, things had to happen exactly as they did back to the beginning of time for us to be here. You know, if any one of those things would have shifted at all, we wouldn't be here. So, you know, being here and being human is the greatest gift that we can, we can ever have. And so with that, You know, we need to value our own life, you know, where, where our relationship with ourselves is the most important relationship that we'll ever have. And so we want to make sure that that's as good as it can be. And so a lot of people come in not really having that self-love, which is totally, totally normal and that, and that's fine. But what they learn to do is they learn to do the little things for themselves, uh, forgiving themselves. Well, it's not a little one, but forgiving themselves, you know, managing, (laughs) managing their mind is a big one, you know, their own internal dialogue and and it's really a lot of practice, but those little things are what leading leads you to value your life. And then once you value your life, you know, that's when you start cultivating the self love. And so, yeah, the self love is is everything. And if you, you know, a lot of people want to help other people, but unless you have that self-love, you know, you're going to be really limited on what you can do for other people. So that, that is the, the, the end goal is, is the self-love. Eddie.
0: Yeah, the world reflects what you are back to, you, you know, and if you can, it's a battle that we all fight. But the more that we can just love, love, love ourselves, the more that it floods out into the world. And if everyone's doing that, then it's just a completely different energy that's around. Um, Bas-y. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, we say Basi in the Bwedi for truth. Basi. Basi, yeah. Bas-y. That's it. Truth. Universal truth and love. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, I hope you don't mind me asking, well, this is not that personal of a question or anything, but sure. for free. somebody who doesn't really believe in magic or manifestation or bringing visions to reality or dreams or being able to overcome their demons or resistance or whatever if you could really say anything to that person or even the past version of yourself who was in that position what do you think the message would be
2: yeah for for say somebody that that really doesn't connect with spirit or right um, yeah yes yeah, so the the only requirement with iboga, just as it would be with other medicines, is is to to be sincere and wanting to help yourself and wanting to to make make your life better. And so, if you have that, that that is the only requisite for, for coming to this medicine. So, we definitely get uh, plenty of people that you know say are atheist or they don't believe in energy and very scientific, you know. A lot of engineers and things like that and so that that's totally okay and we're not here to convince them of that but we'll uh you know through through this experience for for a lot of them things shift on that level and just realizing how much you know energy they have what you know energy from other people or or nature so those things do do shift you know a good example is um we had a guy here named Bill Atkinson several years ago, and he was one of the, the original uh, developers for Apple. And so, yeah, very, very scientific engineering mind. And, you know, he came and had a wonderful experience and, you know, didn't didn't when he came in, didn't believe in spirit and um, was pretty sure that that's the way it was and, and left here being connected with spirit and realizing that there there is things outside of themselves that are in play and in motion. So that, you know, but otherwise people are, are absolutely free to come here and they don't, they don't have to to believe in anything that we're telling them as long as they have, you know, the will inside to, to, you know, do better for themselves. Um, that's, that's the whole trick. And when they do that, yeah, the th- things will shift down the road for them and, um, yeah, it's all about you know if they if they want to help their life on this earth that that's all that
0: matters. And the medicine will work with each individual as it should. And yeah, I I think you have to be open to it, and that's an important step. Do you do you feel like iboga has a a masculine or a feminine energy to it? Kind of you know with ayahuasca, it's very clearly feminine in many ways, um, which and what that means it's not necessarily what we think of masculine and feminine on the world's level. Right. But I was just wondering, I've never really heard anyone kind of refer to it as mother or father or anything like that. If there was any, any, um, lean on that subject. Yes.
2: <clears throat> yes. So you, you know, a lot of people in Iboga or Ibogaine community will refer it, refer to it as a father kind of grandfather spirit. Uh, okay. But- but within our tradition, within the Masoko, um, we know the medicine is, is, is both male and female rolled into one. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times that can be presented as, as masculine energy and very direct answers and, and being, you know, kind of being stern. But when it needs to be, it can be very gentle and caressing and, and loving with you so yeah we we see it as both the male and female spirit rolled into one
0: cool yeah that's what i was wondering i i i'm always fascinating just any of those minor details that are actually really big in a way once you get involved with them but what do you think your point of view is personally on who we are as humans
2: oh man that's a deep one we're, you know, we, <laughs> you know, from us, like we, with, with the bleeding, we separate God stuff from human stuff. So we know things outside of ourselves, like the power of, of nature and God, like just isn't for us to know. What we can know about is things that are happening, you know, within our lives, within the physical realm, you know, we can understand science, but that's a very small small part of it so we we really concern ourselves with with this life on on this earth because we know you know in the bleeding we want to know the truth of things and the truth of things that we can absolutely verify with our senses and know it's true is that we're here right now living this life so we really concern ourselves with living this life here you know so but with that said you know uh, i was talking about those guided journeys earlier that we do for people with that, many times people connect with different ancestors, um, you know, that it, have that it passed on. And so people do connect with, with those ancestors. So there's, there's something happening out there with, with them. Um, we're not exactly sure, but we do know that, you know, this life here and this experience is everything to us. Because if we don't have this life, then nothing's happening for us here. And so, yeah, life always comes first for us you know if you think about it you can't even have death without life so life always comes first and so yeah we really focus on our life here
0: yeah powerful you cannot have death without life so yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) but Levi I appreciate you having this conversation I could talk to you forever hopefully we'll get to connect in person at some point um that'd be great I feel like maybe in one of our emails you had mentioned something about, were you guys doing a documentary?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, we're doing one uh, December 13th through 20th. So we have a film producer that, that had an eboga experience and really wants to share uh, the medicine out there and just kind of present it for you know different problems that people come to EBOGA with. And so, yeah, we're going to have a very small group here in December. And yeah, hopefully, you know, at some point next year, we'll be able to get that out there because most media out there is either kind of full on weedy in Africa or dealing with Ibogaine clinics. So mm-hmm. they will kind of be the first one that's, you know, kind of the middle, middle ground of,
0: of both of those. Amazing. And do you have, how often are these retreats going at your center?
2: So typically we have at least two per month so during some months we'll have three per month. And so, yeah, they go, they go all, all year round. And so, yeah, if anybody is interested, we have a schedule on our website, you And yeah, there's a schedule and it shows, you know, how many rooms are available and, um, and yeah, if somebody feels called to this.
0: If, um, and I'll put the link in the show notes that everyone can get at heatharmstrand.com forward slash podcast. But if someone wants to contact you directly, is there a phone number or contact on the website? I'm sure also.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So info And then there's a toll free number on the website as well. And so that will um, forward to my Costa Rican cell phone. And so, you know, during, most times during business hours, unless we're in the middle of a retreat, I'm able to pick that up. But yeah, if anybody wants uh, wants more info, um, we send people a pretty a pretty complete retreat overview and and uh, what to expect and everything involved to to get here.
0: Levi, I appreciate it, man. I uh, I've really Really enjoyed the conversation and I'm glad to get back into kickstarting more episodes, especially talking to you um and understanding that bigger direction, right? And and the connection that needs to keep progressing and moving forward. And thanks for your overview on self-love and your personal thoughts and just the brilliant uh experience that you guys have really created for people to come and heal and and become versions of their higher selves and affirm. A better lifestyle, and and yeah, I'm in gratitude to you, and and look forward to speaking with you in person some point soon. So
2: wonderful, yeah, thank you so much, man, for for yeah spreading this medicine and just healing in general, and yeah, you know, I have a feeling we we will meet sometime man and so yeah thank you very much
1: there's a place called space and it's got the magic there's a place called space and it's got the balls there's a place called space and it's got the passion there's a place called space where we can smash the walls there's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of the confidence and slaughtered at birth in this place called space where we'll build a factory of smalls that will assemble with our minds and sell to earth
0: Alright people, how amazing was that? Um, thanks for making it all the way through. It's it's in the value of information like this is is amazing. It's, it's just like infinite. And if you want to get a hold of Levi, you can go to bogawellness.com. Uh, they also have a toll-free number from within the states. It's 1-844-450-6720. Um, info at ibogawellness.com, also their contact information. Todd is out today. He's a little bit sick. He was out partying in the clubs too late. He called me and said something weird about a bathtub and a bunch of baby oil, so I I didn't ask him to come in and do the closing on the show, but yeah, uh, heatharmstrand.com forward slash podcast. <laughs> you can get all the show notes and... Um, yeah, you know, just remember to be, to be mature out there. <laughs> Self love—it's the only thing that's impor- important. Uh, aho. Till next time, friends. Bye bye.